Good afternoon, everyone. This is another episode of the Off Topical Podcast. My name is Gardner. I'm Ryan. And uh, today we're going to be just talking about some uh, cool things that we have been just going on in our lives and talking about a couple news stories that we think uh, are of interest. So uh, let's get started. Why don't we? So the first thing that I want to talk about, Ryan, was uh, I'm looking for a new vehicle. And uh, for mm-hmm. a while now, I have been um, really wanting to get an all-electric vehicle. Um, I, you know, I've heard a lot of people gushing about Teslas and, and that kind of stuff. But personally, I'm not a big fan of the idea of, like, supporting Elon Musk, right? Um, so I've been yep. looking for other vehicles, uh, other EVs that uh, – and I, uh, the other thing about Teslas is that um, – you know, if you're if you're looking for like a luxury vehicle, and you've never been in a luxury vehicle, a Tesla might meet what your expectations. But if you're like a actual luxury vehicle owner, you know the Tesla is a is a step down. So you you can get more for your money basically with other brands than Tesla, right? Have you heard that before? Uh, no, but I'm cur- I'm I'm got a lot of questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, what luxury vehicles have you been driving around in, Gardner? Well, I I haven't been driving around in luxury vehicles, but uh, I'm all about uh, you know getting the best bang for my buck, if you know what I'm saying. Like, uh, if I you know if I want to buy a, a nice vehicle, if if you know my intention is to buy a nice vehicle, and um, I don't necessarily need it to be luxury, but I also want to make sure that like the tolerances are up to uh, up, up to par with something like you know a toyota or a hyundai which are vehicles that i've owned before and um yeah everything that i've read shows that you know tesla's tolerances aren't quite there and there there are areas of real polish in a tesla vehicle that uh that are that are outstanding but then there are other places where things just are nowhere near what other manufacturers are able to achieve right um i'm thinking of like okay i'm thinking of like where you know the trunk um hood comes down and locks um the uh on a tesla there's like way too much of a clearance on one side and almost no uh clearance on the other where the hood comes down on the trunk and so it's like you know you look at something like a hyundai ionic 5 which is what i'm looking at and, uh, you know, the tolerances are almost perfect They're, You know, that's the kind of stuff that you come to expect from like one of the old guard <laughs> in the, uh, yeah. electric and in, in the, uh, traditional vehicle community. So that's why I've been looking at yeah. the, uh, the new 2022 Ionic Hyundai five. Um, and I, I know, I know I just sent you the link, but, uh, I'm curious what you think about this, uh, the, this vehicle. It looks gr- it looks great. It looks like a great SUV. I'm I'm an SUV fan because, uh, well, frankly, I just have spent a lot of my life road tripping. Yeah, and you know, an SUV is one of those things that you can take everything you need to with you. You can sleep in it if you want to. Which you know, if you're on a long road trip, sometimes you're just like, I want to pull over here and take a nap, and. uh yeah, so this is right up my alley. Um it's a beautiful it's a beautiful car. Uh you're looking at yeah, the 2022, which I is that the first one or is it I, be- is, I believe it's been around for a while. I I could be wrong about this, but I believe this is the first all electric version. Um it might be there might gotcha. have been like last year's version had an all electric variant. Uh but this is the first one that has the that is only offered as all electric. Yeah. Um, it looks like there are a couple of options for range. Range is definitely like one of those things that, that, so we've been looking at, uh, getting an electric car, um, when we get, uh, you know, when we move next and, uh, the, the range is still like this thing that I know that, now there's enough charging stations that you can mostly get by without worrying about it. But I have range anxiety. So, but 300 yeah. miles of range is pretty good, especially yeah. for, for an SUV. Um, right. 
Yeah. This one has, uh, according to this, it has 269 mile range, which is pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got two, you've got two different motors. Um, and one has the 300 and one has the 269. So you've yeah. got a choice that you can potentially make. Right. Um, the, the 269 is the dual powertrain, right? That's the all wheel drive. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. Cuz then there's the rear the rear powertrain and in Maine. Yep, that's where, right. In in Maine where um, you know, it snows. Snow. You don't want rear rear wheel drive. You want, you know, all wheel or front wheel drive. Um so yep. yeah, that's what I'm looking at. And so the vehicle like I'm thinking either the uh, the Phantom Black or the Shooting Star, which is a matte gray, which most of the time you don't see vehicles in a matte finish. Um, and I really like the, the matte finish. Like it's, it's really, really nice looking. <laughs> it does. It's it so does dope. nice. And then I'm, I'm thinking I used, I used to, I had a Hyundai Elantra GT, I believe. And, um, the, it had the, uh, the hatchback and it was really nice. It had a black, uh, leather finish on the inside and, um, it got so hot. Like it got, it was like scorching. You'd sit there, you'd put on like shorts in the summer, you'd go for a drive and you'd toast the back of your legs, you know? Um, I'm probably going to end up with like the dark green leatherette, which is really handsome. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like this vehicle. I think this looks super, super nice. No, I, um, I'm glad you're not getting a Tesla. Um, yeah. I, I do. Uh, I know some people will get upset hearing that, but um, it's, it's not even that I have any beef necessarily with, with Tesla or, or, you know, we've talked about Elon Musk before. I, I don't like that. Some people worship him, but, um, but it's, I don't even necessarily have a real big beef with Musk either. But I think that the, Te- that tesla is just overrated like yeah. vastly overrated and um yeah. and yeah it's uh <laughs> i think if I, if i were to go out and get something tomorrow and um and of course some of this relies on like cost and stuff like that um but really like this ionic really really like the um rivian uh suv the r1s i think i think that thing is beautiful and uh yeah if i were to go and buy something tomorrow i'd probably get that but it's also seventy thousand (laughs) dollars oh my goodness yeah and i don't think i i don't i don't think i could pay that for a car yeah, I'm pulling this up here. I, uh, Rivian. Oh my gosh, look at that thing. That is uh that's a nice looking vehicle. Wow, that's interesting. It, it 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 looks very different from what I was expecting. Um, yeah, that's cool. It's like a Jeep, you know, Jeep esque. Yeah, which I like, but um, but yeah, very expensive luxury mm-hmm. vehicle. Their truck is nice too. Um, I already have a, uh, an, a car. I have a Jeep Cherokee. It's fairly mm-hmm. new, but, um, uh, I, if I was going to get something else, it would probably, I don't know, would probably be a truck. Um, that's because every time I go to move something, yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> furniture and stuff, I'm always mad at myself that I don't have access to a truck. Yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, yeah, I I'm excited. I want you to make a video of your of your when you get your car. Yeah, uh, I'm 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 excited too. I am concerned about uh, when like when the actual delivery of the vehicle will be because of like the chip shortage and everything. Um, but yeah. uh, I mean, this is just such a nice looking vehicle and. It seems premium as all get out. So uh, you were saying the chip shortage. This is the first time this has ever happened to me. 
I, my car has appreciated in value. Whoa, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's not a thing yeah. that usually happens. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's all I was going to say is like the chip shortage has made it so that, so that my car has actually, um, it's worth, uh, quite a bit more than what I owe on it at this point, or it was wow. a couple months ago. I don't know. It's maybe in a different state now, but anyway, that, so I understand the, the may not know when you're getting your car because yeah. it's apparently still pretty bad out there. Yeah. It's, it's pretty bad. Um, I guess Nintendo isn't, isn't making like, they're making like three quarters of the switches that they actually want to make because of the ship shortage, um, which is bananas. Man. But, uh, the thing about vehicles for me, right, is it's like, um, I'm really cheap. I don't like spending money on things. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I want to, like, yep. get as much value as I can for the minimum amount of money as I can. And so the idea of, like, spending money on a luxury vehicle is like, bleh. The nice thing about this is that it's not particularly a luxury vehicle, right? Like, it's it's a mid-sized sedan or not a mid-sized sedan it's a it's a medium-sized suv um and it's like you know the all the value in it is like that i don't drive it around a whole lot i'm not a i don't drive much like i have to go to meet clients sometimes and i might drive a hundred miles in a in a couple of weeks like it's really i don't spend a lot of time driving so for me it's more about like the the feeling of driving, you know, like I, I have been driving a hybrid uh, sedan for, uh, I want to say five years at this point. And uh, it's a really nice vehicle. Most of my friends who get in are like, wow, this is really nice. It's a 2008 uh, Toyota Camry hybrid. Yeah. And it's like, um, it has a lot of like the, the, the luxury features, like the luxury options you can get. Like it has the, um, the um the the dual uh heat modes and the rear has its own heat mode so you can like adjust the temperature independently which is really nice and i put a head unit in it that like looks absolutely mint like it it fits the aesthetic of the interior perfectly and uh it it has android on it it's using like honeycomb or some ancient one but uh it's not honeycomb. <laughs> it's it's a little newer than honeycomb, but it's like it's still pretty old. Um but it you know, I, I've been like looking for something that has like Android uh go or whatever the hell it is where you can uh sync your phone to it. Um because then yeah. whenever you upgrade your phone, you upgrade your head unit too, right? Um yeah. so I don't know. I'm just looking so for like before- the go ahead. Oh, I was going to say before the car I have now, I had a Mazda that had a, um, you know, I don't, I don't really know what the default name of the software that was on the unit was, but I do remember that I was able to jailbreak it (laughs) and get Android auto loaded onto it. And it, and it was, uh, was so much fun. I, I just love that there are these increasingly more powerful computers in our cars that uh are the infotainment you know center and it's just fun to fun to mess around with those like no matter what vehicle i get i'll ultimately end up like jailbreaking that thing and figuring out how to put stuff on there that shouldn't be on there yeah absolutely uh i i wish that there was more uh information about um the infotainment stuff on the ionic 5 like does it support airplay or carplay or whatever the heck um because i have friends who have iphones you know like uh, does it support android um i i i just i'm i'm curious about that kind of stuff and that's why i'm i'm not going to get this thing until there are reviews out about it already um so i can go in Mm. and double check and make sure hey is this going to like meet my stupid nerd (laughs) requirements you know um, so that, that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm really excited about this vehicle. I'm going to be leasing it probably as soon as I have confirmed that it meets all of my needs for, by watching. You don't reviews. have to say how much it is, but, it, but uh, is it expensive to lease it? 
Um, I, it's more than I'm paying now for my vehicle, but, um, I think it's affordable. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Generally you can lease stuff for pretty reasonable. Yeah. And honestly, like with a vehicle where you just have to make sure you don't go over. Yeah. Right. And the, the thing is with a vehicle, like. From what I understand, leasing is a better deal because vehicles depreciate in value so quickly, right? Um, and so, like, you know, you don't want to invest $35,000 into something that's not going to be worth that amount in three years. You know what I'm saying? So, yep. for me, that's why leasing seems like the better option. And I'm I'm looking forward to you know, upgrading. Cause I've been, I've, I've, like I said, I've had this 2008 Toyota Camry for quite a while and I just haven't wanted to upgrade. Um, but now I think it's time. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. I'm excited to see how you like it. Yeah. It should be cool. Um, yeah, is there anything else we want to talk about? I, I think that's everything. Like, you want, <laughs> we can go over the features here. There, there are some interesting features. Uh, sure. It has um, remote. Uh, if you get the limited edition, which is which probably is the one I'm going to get, it actually has the remote uh, smart parking assist. So you don't even oh, have to wow. be in your vehicle, and it will park itself. Which that's is cool. like, that's kind of, I mean, not going to lie. That's, that's a huge uh, selling point for me. I don't like parking my vehicle. Like I, especially, you know, in like downtown where it's like, there's, uh, it's, it's all parallel parking. I can parallel park. I'm actually pretty good at parallel parking better than most of the people that I know who parallel park regularly. But at the same time, I don't like doing it. So uh, this having remote parking assist where you don't even have to be in your vehicle. You could like, you know, get your get out of your car and just hit the button and it'll park itself. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, it has two-way onboard charging. So you can um, charge your vehicle. Um, and then there's a, a regular like... Uh, receptacle for, you know, your standard 120 volt power uh, supply, and you can plug right into that. Um, and it also like supports, uh, it can charge from zero to 80% charge in 15 minutes, which is bananas. Whoa. That's so fast. They do that. That's crazy. Yeah. I, uh, it's wow. <laughs> um, and then let's see, what was the other thing that was like really cool? Um, yeah, I guess it has heated seats on even like the basic edition, which is pretty nice as well. That's good. And you can use your phone as a key. So all of those things. That'll be nice. pretty cool. Yeah. That'll be pretty cool. But uh, yeah. although I don't know if you'd want to not have a key just in case your phone <laughs> screws up. Oh right, yeah, of course. Um, I feel like does NFT uh, not NFT um, NFC near field communication does that work if the mm-hmm. battery is dead in your in your phone? For this use case, I doubt it because it's it's going to be uh, so. I, I don't. I think the answer is no, anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. Even if it's like some kind of mechanism where it it loads, you know, that to like the in a NFC chip or whatever in the mm-hmm. in the phone. I don't think that it would uh, stay mm-hmm. there necessarily. Well, um, I'm wondering because like if your phone, if you're like. If your phone is dead, but it has an NFC mm-hmm. chip in it, um, mm-hmm. like I'm imagining that like registering your vehicle, like registering your your phone with your vehicle would mean that like whatever the unique ID of your NFC tag is, 
would be the thing that lets the vehicle turn mm. on. But I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's how it works in my uh, car because I have like keyless entry and uh, keyless start. Um, so all you need is the fob um, and you can just mm-hmm. push the button on the dashboard and the car starts, right? Just if, even if you leave the key, yep. the fob in your pocket. But if the battery dies in the fob, you can just hold the fob up to the, to the start button and it'll beep. And then you push the button and it turns on, even if the battery is dead in the fob. So, um, I'm thinking that might be the thing. I, it probably isn't, but that would be cool if it would work that way. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I need to learn more about this because, um, I do know a little bit because I know Tesla's, you can load your, so <laughs> know how much the internet knows this, but I do have, uh, an NFC chip implant into my oh. hand and I've had it for a long time since like 2015. Yeah. And, um, I use it for various things. Um, and one thing I used it for at the beginning was I worked at Mycroft and our doors were, um, you know, those magnetic locks and, and we had a, a mechanism by which I could scan my hand and, mm. or the chip in, in my hand and open it up and go. And, uh, and so I know Tesla's, you can do that. You can get into your Tesla with using these chips in your hand by, um, loading the data onto those chips. So I'm not completely uh, ignorant of like how some of this works, but um, it you know I'm curious like how much freedom you have to to like if you can only do it via the app you know on the phone that then like mm. you know loads that onto the chip or I don't really know how that part works and then it allows you to get in or if you can take that you know unique. Uh, uh, data and load it into to other things because if you could use you know other NFC tags for entry and stuff like that that would be really interesting mm. but anyway um, I guess that's something that, that you'll find out and that um, <laughs> maybe will be fun to look up and learn about later yeah <laughs> would you recommend having a crazy future NFC in, in. implanted I would recommend it okay cool it's worth it uh i'm kind of i'm kind of worried because uh uh i've gotten uh there's so much there's so much better than the one i have in my hand now mm, yeah. six years later and um uh, it's harder to change it out than uh i would imagine my other tech <laughs> and so uh i don't really know what i'm gonna do there um but yeah, I do think I'm going to upgrade, or maybe I'll just put another one in my other hand, ah. and then I'll have two. Nice. That's interesting. I've thought about doing that. I'm kind of skeeved out by the idea, but also kind of intrigued. So uh, it's nice to know somebody who has done it before. <laughs> yeah. And to finish my thought, you know, you can use those to open Teslas. You can use them to open um you know, doors and stuff like that. Anything really that interacts with an FC and, and, uh, I, I, it was useful for a while. Mm. Um, so did you, did, uh, so the audience knows I dropped out for a moment. Did I, did you get the piece about, um, using it for entry into, into Mycroft? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I heard like yeah. I heard most of that, um, and then I said a few things, and then you dropped out. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but I guess I guess that's everything for the Ionic. What, what do you what, what do you think? Yeah, I think that I'm like I said, you really need to make like a a video about your car because there's still going to be so much technology in your car. Yeah, and I'm. And everybody who talks about the technology in cars don't care about the things that I care about. Right. So I'm curious to hear your take on it because you're, you'll have a much more relevant take than, you know, the verge or whatever. Yeah, for sure. I will definitely, you know, when I get a a new vehicle, I will, uh, I definitely talk about it on, on my channel and, uh, 
you know, you and I will go over the things that I talk about before I do so that I make sure I cover everything that you care about. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Sounds good. Nice. Uh, You want to talk about uh, Facebook and Meta and their new uh, or their discontinuing of some stuff? Yeah. I'm so curious to to kind of dive into this because we didn't really we met talked about met metaverse the metaverse and Facebook building the metaverse. We we spoke before the name change, right? And so yeah, we did. A lot of news has happened, uh, and it's interesting. Yeah. Um. So Facebook says that they are shutting down their facial recognition system because you know they're 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 basically saying that uh they want to find the right balance to make sure that they're not negatively impacting society with their facial recognition and it's like uh 10 years later and you you're just now worried about the social impact <laughs> you know yep. like facebook's whole um their whole entire uh motto was move fast and break things and now it's slow down and discontinue stuff like i something suspicious is going on here to me uh i don't know what do do you think i think it's just scrutiny especially from regulators and the government yeah well tuned into some of the some of the stuff they've been going through with uh on like Capitol Hill and stuff. And it's just not pleasant. And I'm sure that yeah. at this point, no one wants to try tired of doing it. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they were fined, uh, $5 billion by the FTC in 2019. Uh, and the primary concern from the, uh, the FTC was their facial recognition software. Um, or maybe not the primary concerns, but it was definitely one of the big ones. Uh, and then, um, Again, in 2019, Illinois uh, settled a class action lawsuit with Facebook uh, for $650 million because they accused Facebook of violating the state's um, laws that require them to get consent before using biometric information. Um, Wow. Yeah. Uh, So two years after that, they decided we're just discontinuing it. (laughs) Crazy. I, so that's that's really interesting but kind of like you think this is part of just a pivot too because they they change the name they change you know in, in a name change you i would think if your facebook would want to shed some of the baggage Brand associated washing. with exactly yeah. um what do you think about that you think that's part of this uh probably i mean i the thing is like they said that they're discontinuing this but they're not making a promise that they'll never bring it back (laughs) and so it's Mm -hmm. like you know it's like uh philip morris saying oh yeah we removed like the toxic additive that we were adding to make our product more addictive but it's still really 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 bad for you you know what i'm saying like it's the same thing it's like facebook is like Oh yeah, we're removing this one thing that is like incredibly damaging to our users' privacy. Uh, but we're also working on a thing that will literally work to predict and monetize every aspect of human behavior. The, like the metaverse. Like. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. Like it, this is, this is all, I think, a marketing stunt. Like this is all just to try and like recover whatever goodwill I think that Facebook thinks that they might be able to have with people. Um, and it's, it's, it's cynical. I think, uh, it, it is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Like they're deleting all of this data that they, that they have collected. That's a good thing. And they deserve to get props in whatever small measure they deserve to get it. But at the same time, they progressed this technology to the point that it's at today. Like Facebook was one of the very first to implement it at the scale that they implemented it at. And 
while they didn't sell it to like third parties or, or other, you know, government entities, like it was still available. That data was still in their databases to be queried in the result in, you know, in the event that like a warrant was issued or something. Um, Facebook, this is like half of the reason that we're here today with this technology as ubiquitous as it is, is because of Facebook. Like they've, they've been running this stuff since 2010 and people have been complaining about it the whole time. And it's like, if Facebook was really concerned about the impact that the tech was having on society, they would have listened to people back then. So I don't buy any yeah. of the, 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 the jargon and the uh, disinformation that they're putting out there about this. This is, I don't think that this is about them being concerned about society. This is about them being concerned about their brand's image. And I know that sounds cynical What's on my sad? part, but whatever. Yeah. What's sad too is, um, I think that there are people inside of Facebook, as we learned with like the, the whistleblower. Yeah. That I think there are people inside of Facebook who genuinely care. see the problems and they want to fix them. But, you know, apparently there's just too many hurdles to actually doing to actually making those changes internally, which I think is because a lot of, I think you have people at the top who are like, we're going to maximize <laughs> profits at all costs. Like, uh, and they've, they've made the old calculus at, uh, a lot of this stuff people just won't dive into. They don't care about. And, um, and that was true. Uh, it, I think it probably is still mostly true. Um, mm. It only takes, you know, a certain percentage of people to get upset about it before it's really hard to overcome that bad. I think Facebook has what I like to call evil inertia. It's like it's been set up in a way like from the very beginning to manipulate people and to drive engagement mm-hmm. and to i mean just the just the fact that like it was set up so that it was exclusive to people who had college email addresses like that in itself yeah. was manipulative and like that that's the whole point of facebook it always has been and so like i you were talking about like people who are in the company who want to do good and and I definitely acknowledge that there are lots of people in Facebook who want to do good and they want to see Facebook change for the better. But like from my perspective, fundamentally, Facebook is evil. And like it has like in order for goodness to come out of that company, so many things have to change. And the 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 direction that the company's heading in, um, I mean, this the, the whole metaverse thing is like they're heading in this direction in order to just basically monopolize and monetize human interaction. And it's like every aspect of being a person they want to monetize in some way, show you ads, predict your, your, uh, how you're going to respond to certain ads, blah, blah, blah. That's the whole point. And so for me, it's like, yeah, this is probably a good thing. I mean, it is a good thing that Facebook's deleting all this information, but at the same time, why are they talking about this now? Like I said, I mean, it's been 10 years since people have been giving them grief over this. And I think the reason that they're doing this now is because the Facebook papers came out and there's so much damning information in there that they had to pull a Trump and be like, oh, everybody's talking about uh, Stormy Daniels. Oh, well, well, you know, build the wall, even though I don't believe in doing that. Yep. It's like, that's the same thing. This is, this is what Facebook is doing. It's like, oh my God, all this stuff has come out. We better do something to, to help our image. And it's cynical. And yep. I don't, I don't know. That's my take. So here's, here's, I, so there's a place, here's where my wife and I had a discussion the other night. Do you think that they changed their name also? To escape a bad brand, or do you think that's because, you know, leadership 
believes that the future of the company is the metaverse. I have no doubt that Mark Zuckerberg is delusional enough to think he can build the metaverse. Um, mm-hmm. Delusional and uh, like darkly ambitious enough to want to build the metaverse. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has as much to do with that as it does um, just brand washing. They, they want to change like nobody likes fate. I mean, very few people have a positive association with the name of their company uh, or their the old name of their company. And so the idea that they're changing their brand. Um, yeah, I mean, it probably has as much to do with changing people's perspe- percep- perception of their company as it does with where they want to be heading. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Well, you actually put it better than I probably could. I think that um, Mark actually does, is a true believer that this is the future and that's where he wants to go. And I think that's probably for him. And he's got, you know, a controlling share of the company. That's probably for him, like 90% of this. Yeah. And then it's just so happens that it's convenient that they also kind of get away from the Facebook identity a little bit, especially as they roll out, you know, these new uh, Horizon and whatever else, which is going to be, I'm sure, Meta Horizon now and Meta, uh, I don't remember what the other one's called, but uh, these experiences that they're kind of like going to break from facebook on and not have them be facebook experiences which will help with their adoption so the oculus isn't going to have um it isn't going to require facebook login anymore starting next year so i heard uh, that they were retiring the brand oculus and just going with quest oh really yeah i didn't see that but that's I was curious what they were going to do there. Yeah. Um, You know what I was thinking about the other day, actually? It's like, do you remember back when Oculus launched their Kickstarter? Yes, I do. I wish that I could go back in time and tell myself, in a couple years, Facebook is going to buy this Indiegogo or whatever, this Kickstarter project. And it's going to tur- like result in the end of humanity. Like fa- Mark Zuckerberg's <laughs> going to try and create the actual matrix of depression. Like that's <laughs> like if you think I think about Facebook, I think about Instagram, and I think about like how miserable it makes most of the people that I know when they use it, right? And then I think about yeah. like oculus where it's not just like collecting like how long you're you're scrolling and looking at, at you know staying on your timeline and how how you're reacting with like a like or or, or whatever emoji it's like you know having this thing strapped to your head with sensors looking at your eyes so it can track your eye movements and tracking like the most intimate movements of your body right how you use your hands and how you interact with objects in in a virtual space and then it's going to try and monetize that in the same way that it monetize monetizes all of these you know uh reactions on facebook uh and i just can't see it being any healthier (laughs) at best you know compared to like how instagram or facebook is and it's like i see it being far far worse honestly and so for me, it's yeah. like, how the frick can regulators look at Facebook's ambition here and not shut it down immediately and be like, this is not the company that's allowed to do this. You simply can't. I mean, I, it's like, I, I always go back to cigarettes with Facebook because that's what it is. Like Facebook is as addictive as tobacco or nicotine, I guess. But it's like, if, you know, Marlboro decided tomorrow, hey, I know, you know, we're going to, we've, we've been uh, developing this new product called methamphetamine and we're going to start doing meth delivery right to your door. <laughs> that's exactly like, I know that sounds a little hyperbolic, but that is what metaverse is to me. It's like Facebook moving from, you know, 
tobacco cigarettes to methamphetamine as a product. And it's like, yeah, how the hell do we allow that? I don't know. So I was listening to um, the CTO of Meta um, and he was talking about their ambitions and, and uh, it was an interview with uh, the Verge, their decoder podcast. And I didn't get all the way through it. So I've still got another, I think, 15 or 20 minutes left. So sorry if uh, anybody else has listened to it and I'm t- making a hot take without hearing everything. But um, he was a guy who came up with feed. The feed. Oh. Uh. And uh, I, I just uh, him being in charge of uh, the technical implementation of the metaverse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not uh, super optimistic that it is going to avoid the same mm. problem, the problems that exist on on Facebook and Instagram with uh, yeah. with addiction and uh, depression, negative feedback loops. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but. I, I am hopeful for the metaverse. I am. I do think like the we're coming upon the time for the technology. As some people are really skeptical of that. I heard a lot of journalists making hot takes that like it's just not time for it. Uh but I do think it is probably we're maybe a couple years ahead, but this is right right about now is when you'd have to be making the investment to to really see a payoff in a few years but Mm. there are so many people who now like i live who have and are playing around with vr headsets like they own them and uh and in a few years i think that kind of these the novelty of it fade away and it'll be more of like uh yeah that's the headset and i do x y and z on it and that's normal that's a normal thing mm. one a person would do see um, here's the here's the thing i'm very skeptical about like a metaverse that relies on strapping a hmd to your head and buckling mm-hmm. you know controllers to your hands and you know doing that I'm very, very skeptical that that is anything anyone would ever want to do. Like, my thought, like, the only way I see, like, a metaverse working is if it, like, utilized brain-computer interface. Like, Mm. and I don't know, like, what non-invasive BCIs look like, like, what kind of experience they could deliver. So, for me, it's like... yeah. Uh, something like a metaverse would have to include like invasive brain implants in order for it to be yeah like the uh, the experience that f- i facebook wants to deliver that's the that's the skepticism that i have it's like how will will normal people engage with the metaverse i don't think most people will i, I it's hard for me to even convince some of my friends who are like around my age, maybe a little younger than me to even try the valve index, you know, yeah. it's like, well, go ahead. What, what about, what about the idea that it doesn't have to necessarily be VR? Like the experience, some people will experience it in VR, but some people will experience it in, yeah, I'm just as like a 3d environment that, that they load on their computer. Uh, because I have seen, Kind of this this whole metaverse thing is is a little weird concept because everybody associates it with VR, but I I don't think it necessarily has to be like the idea that you can take a digital avatar of yourself and move between different virtual experiences. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, I just, maybe that's not the definition of the metaverse, but to right. me, that's the definition of the metaverse. I think about like that. Uh, I, I, and I look at like all of the failed attempts, you know, like, uh, you remember there, did you ever play that game? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, there was a, 
it was it was it was called there and there was also playstation home and there were also like mm-hmm. all these other ones uh second life like second life has like a cult following but i wouldn't say that it's popular you know um yeah. so so for me i just i'm very skeptical of the idea uh it's like even world of warcraft you know like because that's kind of the whole point of like a metaverse right is like you go on there to be with your friends uh and you and you have like your um you know let's say that let's say that metaverse functions like you know you have your digital avatar there's like a, a landing place where you have it works like you know playstation home or vr chat or whatever uh and then you can go into these other experiences with the same avatar and you have the same like assets like you know cosmetics and stuff in throughout all these different experiences i just don't see that as like a reasonable thing like like that doesn't seem to me like something that people want you know like maybe maybe when climate change gets so bad that living life it means you have to stay home all day every day right but like you know you live in a freaking bunker underground because like climate change has destroyed yeah. the you know the overworld <laughs> but like yeah maybe that's what does it like in order to see grass in order to literally touch grass you have to go into the freaking metaverse maybe that's the appeal maybe that's zuckerberg's wanting to monetize the end of the world that's what it is but like I don't know, dude. I just, I, I'm so skeptical of like this idea. Like, I just don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't see how it makes sense except for in the, these weird niche circumstances. Yeah. I wonder who else is going to compete in this space. I was trying to look the other day and there's, there are quite a few. I mean, companies and uh, Valve is working on projects in Deckard. Space, but... Have you heard Deckard? about Deckard? Have you heard about Deckard? Huh. So Deckard is like Valve's uh, quest, basically. Um, it's a standalone unit. It's battery powered. Um, it runs SteamOS. Um, I think it's ARM based. I, if I remember correctly. Um. So, and Valve is like working on this headset. So maybe if Valve were to do a metaverse thing, which I, I, I'm still skeptical about, like, I wouldn't be so 100% against it as I am with Facebook if Valve were doing it. But still, like, <laughs> I'm, I would be pretty dead set against the idea, even if Valve did it. You know? Yeah. I, I know. now you've got me on a quest to, to look at uh to look at Deckard. Okay, yeah, I, I guess I did see this. Um yeah, I'm I uh I feel the same way. Um I really would love to see a an open source metaverse. I was looking I think maybe we talked about this last time. There are like RFCs, proposed RFCs. Um and for like metaverse like experiences. I'd like to see a standardized open source, mm. you know, basis for the metaverse. But right now I'm I'm not too hopeful about that. Yeah. I mean, activity pub, but like for, for metaverse, but I mean, I, even, yeah. even look at like implementations of activity pub and you're like, you know, like, I, just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being like too cynical. What do you think I'm being cynical? I don't know. I have to, I, I guess I should get my hands. I'm, I'm not going to do this, but I, I'm tempted to get my hands on an, on an Oculus or something and, and see what the, see, see if I can get into like the horizon beta program and see what it's like. Um, mm. uh, I, I just am so curious what, what Zuckerberg thinks is going to convince people to to interact with this experience what he thinks is so interesting about it mm. um so i don't know 
I, I'm going to have to do a think on that. Spend a few days uh, looking into it and uh, get back to you because I'm skeptical, but I'm also sometimes on this stuff I'm wrong. Mm. Like uh, the things that the things that aren't in my uh, end of favorite areas of like open source and in uh, kind of <laughs> more open tech ecosystems, um, I might be totally wrong, and you know my parents might try out the metaverse, and they're like, "We live here now." Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I might yeah. just not be the target audience for this and i might totally be misunderstanding the people who are yeah uh, yeah i mean we'll see the, yeah the th- i just had this weird thought but like you know the appeal of the metaverse is you know you're diagnosed with like a terminal illness but for only a hundred dollars mark will take your brain out of your body and put it in a jar and then you can join the metaverse and keep living you know what yep. i'm saying like, that's what I was thinking. That yep. that's it's like scary. <laughs> like you know what my biggest yep. fear is is like my biggest fear is being a conscious bodiless brain. That's my biggest fear. That's your biggest fear? Mhm. <laughs> like if like if 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 somehow my brain was isolated from my body and I didn't have like senses, and I was just a, a conscious brain. Oh, you it. mean so? Yeah, yeah. So you're plugged into the metaverse, your brain, and uh, and the metaverse goes down one day, yeah. but you're still on life support or whatever. So right. like you're just feeling, yep, in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that is a, a horrifying nightmare <laughs> hellscape. Yes, it is. Because you don't live in here, yep. <laughs> you have no idea. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> have you ever seen have you ever seen the show Dollhouse? No. It was by um uh freaking what's his name? The guy who did Buffy and, and Firefly. I can't remember his name. Okay. Joss Whedon. Um so he made a show called Dollhouse, and Dollhouse was about like these um like they had this way of uh imprinting personalities on people. Uh, and so like there were there were people who owed like debts and stuff and they would like volunteer to give two years of their life to have uh, different personalities imprinted on their brains and they would be like rented out to people as like, you know, oh, yeah. Yep. And so like, you know, it, let's say, oh, I'm a I'm a rich dude and, and I want like a beautiful girl on my arm who has like a Russian, you know, killer whatever i don't know like just some random thing i want her to have this personality so she has this personality for the day she goes back and then is imprinted with a different personality and goes to somebody else right like really weird and creepy and they had like if you were misbehaving and they like they they couldn't uh properly imprint on you they would send you to the attic which is where your brain was dis like disconnected from your body and you would have uh like your brain was used to basically power their entire uh computing infrastructure and like that is intensely scary to me like that's so scary uh uh anyway i don't know why i brought that up but that's like what i imagine all of this ending up as just like these creepy reprogrammed people who you know are part of the metaverse <laughs> i don't know so, so uh, I I have a question, and and we I had one rant planned, but I I I think we should finish it out with, what do you feel about brain computer interfaces and like uh like Neuralink and things like that? Um, I'm never gonna do it. Uh, yeah. I here the thing about all of uh, like. For me, a BCI would be I would I would never be able to trust it. Like Yeah. You know, like, oh yeah, you can install a BCI and it and it's it's you know, you can put whatever software you want on it, right? But it's like would you really be able to trust something that was like in your brain? 
I don't know, like, it, you know, it would have to have some kind of like wireless access. And at that point, somebody could hack into your head, like literally. Yep. And yep. depending on like what endpoints in your brain it connects to, they could rewire you as a person. I mean, at, at, it, you know, if the technology gets that far, you know what I'm saying? Part of me is like... Yeah, if it's two-way. Yeah. Part of me is like, it would be really nice to have something like that, you know, for for people who are who have like chronic pain and they could use that instead of medication to manage their pain. Like, there's that the empathetic side of me where like there's medical applications. But like, as soon as it becomes, you know, you can install this thing in your head and now you can learn karate in like 20 minutes. Like... All bets are off. I mean, it's like it's like the idea of like doping in the Olympics, you know, or or using performance enhancing drugs in any sport. It's like what happens when you know, in order to get a job at a corporation, you have to have a BCI so that you're more productive. You know, like yep. all that stuff is just too much for me. Um and then it becomes the Borg. And we're, we lose our humanity and our individuality. Yeah. I'm, I mean, you know, before I, I, people, if I brought this up in polite conversation, people thought I was crazy. But, you know, here we are and, and uh, <laughs> this technology becomes more and more uh, a reality every day with, um, I mean, the Neuralink stuff is pretty impressive if you, if you hop in there and, and kind of even do some cursory research like there's mm -hmm. there's quite a lot of interesting stuff they managed to accomplish with those uh, pigs that they implanted with the bci mm -hmm. um the fidelity uh so we did play with one at system 76 that we that we made you know based on net schematics mm -hmm. And, uh, but it was, it wasn't an implant, you know, it's just the ones that you put on your skull and they, they measure like your, uh, what do they call them? Uh, Delta there's waves. a scientific word. I, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and you can manipulate some things based on just like, you know, you have to tell it if, if I do this, you know, do this. Right. And, um, super interesting. And super cool. Mm. Very, very, very low fidelity. Like oh, yeah. You can't, when it's reading it from outside of your brain mm -hmm. through that layer of skull, it's like very hard to make sure you get the accurate read yeah. consistently. And, um, but it was very cool. Like, I, I was thinking if I could just put a hat on, essentially, and, and then control my computer and type with just my my brain. Mm -hmm. That would be very efficient, um, I think. After you got used to it, right? And uh, and I also think about um. Uh, I have a friend who has um. Uh, uh, ALS, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, Luke, the Lou Gehrig's, uh, like uh, Stephen Hawking. Is that is that the right ALS term is for Luke it? Gehrig's disease? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um and uh and he uh has been controlling his computer by voice for a lot for as long as I've known him. Mm -hmm. Um which has been a few years. And uh and he's kind of losing some of that vocal control that he had before, so it's become much harder for him to he's a developer. Mm -hmm. so, but he has to say, you know, everything mm -hmm. out loud that he wants to type and, and uh, fortunately, he's managed to set up his development environment to be pretty pretty efficient, given that you yeah. know he has to just speak to his computer. Uh, and but as as he kind of loses that ability to speak clearly, uh, he's even you know talked quite a lot about uh, like all these programs, these pilot programs at, at universities for using this technology and and uh, and like you were saying applications super interesting because it would give him an, more years of productive you know like from his perspective he said like i I'll, 
if if I can't speak, it'll be impossible to do development at a pace that's that's makes me feel good. Yeah, you know, and uh, and he wants the ability to continue doing that uh, because it's one of those activities that you can do right. just if you're confined to just a chair all day. And so, uh, for, for folks like him, I'm like, yeah, this is absolutely like breakthrough technology and like, it will totally change his quality of life. Uh, and then like for myself, it's, it'll be quite hard unless, yeah, you have the peer, (laughs) the problem of like your peers, uh, who you're supposed to be interacting with are like, got Google in their brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you're like expected to be able to be productive alongside them. But even still, I don't think that's it's not for me necessarily either. Yeah. I, I don't even know what level of security and cryptographic in, innovation that would have to happen for me to ever feel comfortable. And if there is a level that we can reach that that I, I'd be comfortable with. Yeah. Dude, it all comes back to Star Trek for me because like the the vast majority of like my ethical thought process always kind of comes back to Star Trek with the, with technology. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Th- you're familiar with the next generation, I would assume. Um, mm-hmm. So for example, there is, there is a great example of a BCI in next gen. It, he's in almost every episode. Jordy LaForge, right? He was born blind and he uh, was oh, given, yeah. given the visor. And like when he takes the visor off, you see the two little terminals on his temples that goes right into his uh, visual cortex. Um, not everyone in Star Trek, uh, not everyone in Starfleet has BCIs, right? Like most people don't. Um, Jordy LaForge does. And that's because he needs it. Like to he needs it to be able to see. Um and then, you know, there was another episode where Worf was in an accident and his spine was crushed, right? And they were trying to like train him, like train like train his muscles and his brain to be able to control his muscles with his brain using a BCI. But they don't like do that for people who don't need it, right? Like only the people yeah. who have injuries or who ha- were born with uh, congenital birth defects receive that kind of stuff. Um, and for me, it's like humanity today is not wise enough to do that. Like we aren't, point. we're not wise enough. And we would see you know all the benefits of oh yeah you, i mean who needs regular eyeballs when you can have you know uh full spectrum visors and so people would start just having their eyes removed and replaced with you know bci sensors that and and then like it becomes the rat race of who can get the most augmentations um just to stay current and to stay of you know I don't know. I just see it as like dystopian. <laughs> if yeah. It, it sucks too. Cause it's like, there are so many med- at, uh, medical applications for stuff like that. But at, at a certain at point, at least the role you were saying wise, we're not wise enough, at least the role of technology and how we use technology right now in this moment yeah. in history is, is definitely, uh, definitely we're not, yeah, we're not wise enough as a society to to implement this in a way that won't end up hurting a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting you, you said it that way because I think that's true of almost all the technology we're talking about. Yeah. Literally, like almost everything we've, we've talked about, you know, with the, with the metaverse and like in other episodes, we talked about social media and like the over and over again it's all comes back to this is that our technology is getting more and more ubiquitous more and more powerful and yet we're we're not learning lessons on 
what we learned yeah uh as far as like limits and like when it, when does it go from helpful to uh yeah just 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 dystopian right and so uh uh so not on the bci train no <laughs> suffice it to say <laughs> no um i don't know i i would love to know what everybody out there thinks what what people listening think about this are are you on the bci train would you would you get a brain computer interface what would be like the the things that you would need to feel comfortable getting one um let us know in the comments or send us an email show at offtopical.net uh dude we've been recording for an hour and 11 minutes my friend yeah that's that's pretty good we i think this has been a good episode how about you very good yeah um if you guys like what we're doing here you can follow us on uh, on youtube you can uh, uh head over to offtopical.net where we have links to get the show on uh, spotify on google podcasts um or just in your favorite podcast reader um that's gonna do it for now though ryan thank you for being here my friend i appreciate it yep catch you next week yeah we'll see you next time bye guys bye.